0: Welcome to the Prince Daniels Jr. Show. I created this podcast because I understand that we are all spiritual beings having a human experience. On a journey to learn more, discover a deeper, more meaningful purpose in our lives. Our why. I will be interviewing some of the most accomplished individuals in the world that have achieved a high level of success and have learned how to maintain it. I will also be sharing my stories and insight As part of my more than 10 year relationship with a monastery, as a former NFL running back, thought leader, and author. And so now, let's elevate together. What's up, everybody? This is Prince Daniels Jr., and welcome to the Prince Daniels Jr. Show. This is part two of many more episodes to come. So if you have not heard the first episode with me and Hazel Ortega, you need to stop this episode. Go back and listen to the first episode, which is episode six. Then after you finish listening to that, you need to come back and finish up listening to this episode. Look, the first interview was so nice, we had to do it twice, like couscous. So you may remember Hazel Ortega from episode six. Well, guess what? She's back with more gems, anecdotes, and vulnerability. We will be discussing family ties, parenting one-on-one, And when you're lost, what to do next? Hazel, how are you doing today? I'm
1: doing great. Happy to be here.
0: Happy to have you here. We're back for another episode of the Prince Daniels Jr. Show, and I'm happy to have you back. I mean, the last time you were here, you swept everyone away. You know, we had a chance to speak about emerging out of poverty and gang-infested environment. Breaking out of fear mindset, prayer, paving your own way. How when you were dead broke, you didn't have a penny to, the, to your name, and your uncle had give had given you a quarter, mm-hmm. and he made you change your mindset all in that one moment. Um, we we spoke about you know how you read a lot and you pray a lot, and you're always looking forward and not looking backwards. Um, we talked about believing in God, uh, and re restructuring and changing your neural paths and your brain. I mean, we spoke about so many incredible things. Uh, we spoke about you, uh, fighting with your sisters. I mean, all of the above, we went through a whole list of things. And so now it brings us back to this next episode. So we have a lot in store for everyone that's listening. So. Sit down, buckle your seatbelt if you're in the car or just even if you're at home because we're taking you on another roller coaster, which is going to be so amazing. And so one of the last things I spoke about was um, your relationship with your sisters. You know, I I had listeners um, ask me about this particular question. You know, um, and so I'll start it off, but before I start it off, what I what I want to say is that today I really want to focus on this family dynamic and how our family plays a major role in our life. And and before we actually jumped on the podcast, we actually had a chance to speak about you know the importance of family. So Hazel, before we jump into this major question, I want you to Give me your definition of what family means to you.
1: Wow. Family is everything to me. Uh, All my success and my motivation and my inspiration is my family. I would even say that if it wasn't for them, I would have completely have dropped out of grad school and not have the life that I have right now. Uh, There were so many times that in grad school I wanted to quit but just to think that my niece would find out that I quit made me stay another day.
0: Wow. Nice. All- so you did it. You did it for your niece.
1: Yeah, I did it for my niece. I wrote my book for my aunt. I wanted to help them to get out of the suffering that I had lived for, for so long, almost four decades before I actually found out a better way to live. And so now I wrote the book for them. I do a lot of things for them. And I'm so happy when I get to share with them and they get to have uh, experienced my success by virtue of being in my same family. And I'm changing the trajectory of all our lives. I I broke out of leg- out of the legacy of poverty, Uh, I I was the first to graduate from college, first to start a business, first to hit a million dollars, first to have multiple businesses and have a healthy, loving, long lasting relationship. Those are things that, that were not common in our family.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Look, if you have not purchased Hazel's book, From Bounce Checks to Private Jets, you need to go and get it. ASAP. Go and get it today because she is dropping some jewels and bringing you some knowledge today. it's so, es in español too. in es español. <laughs> ah, we bien, we bien. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love it. My 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 family, my my wife's family, is uh, Puerto Rican. So mm. they are. They they love this. They love being empowered by another woman, another Latina and they love listening to you. So, which brings me to my next question about you. And so Hazel, so after becoming successful, you mentioned that, you know, you and your sisters would always always fight, never really got along, but at some point in time um, you did get along. So what was that, that lining that drew the curtain down You know, did you guys go to therapy? Did you go to therapy with your sisters? Um, How did the relationship heal? Um, Was it after you were successful? Uh, Because they say that, you know, people cling to you when you're up. But when you're down, they want to be around. So how did you build that relationship without them... Or without them, or you feeling like they're taking advantage of your success?
1: Uh, Well, that's an excellent question. I would love to write a book about that. Maybe in the future I will. Um, So growing up, we grew up fighting, right? We never had enough. And we have really bad habits of how to get along because of how we grew up. So we fought for everything. We didn't have enough clothes. So we would fight over whose turn it was that they could use the blouse or the sweater or the shoes. My mom and my older sister and myself, we are all the same size. So we had to share. And um, we would literally like pull clothes apart and my mom would cut it in half after there was no resolution (laughs) because it was either that, or they're going to start fist fighting over the blouse. So we have this pattern of dealing with our problems that were to withhold love mm-hmm. and withholding love is something that followed us throughout the decades in adulthood as well. It's a really bad habit. One of the worst things that you can do is withhold love. It's, it's killing love, right? It's like you're the murder, the murderer of love. So when I got really conscious of that, of what the impact of withholding love is and And that I was doing that and I knocked it out. I'm the one that stopped it. My sisters didn't have to go to therapy with me. They didn't have to get a psychology degree. They didn't have to do anything. It really is like the song says, start with the man in the mirror. That's what I did. I started to work on myself. So when I started becoming conscious of my behavior and noticing that it was old patterns, I was behaving in a way like, like I was still in scarcity. Like I was still fighting for my, to be loved. Like I still wanted to um, be sure that you weren't going to leave me. And I wanted to be right. And I wanted to be worthy. And I want to be smart. I don't want to look stupid. And all of, I was the one acting a fool. And so I can't account for how other people act. I, could, I can't tell you that my sisters act a certain way because of whatever. I could only tell you what I was doing. And when I stopped doing it, and I stopped reacting to them, my whole entire world changed. My life became easy. It was, it's downhill from there, like gravy. They might still get upset with me and they do, but I'm not upset at all. I'm fine. And I'm really, it's kind of like when you go to a party and you're sober and everybody's drunk and you just kind of look at them and you can see like, wow, you know, their behavior when they're yeah. drunk right <laughs> yeah. so when i see people around me that are angry and i'm part of that conversation and i'm not angry i'm holding it together i'm not even warm like i don't even get like you know how when you're angry you get like hot in your heartbeat and like you know like, your breathing changes i'm even keeled mm. that was yeah. the case i mean yeah I the emotional
0: intelligence I,
1: Yes, exactly. Emotional intelligence. So I worked my emotional intelligence. So guess what? We're all fighting to be right. We all want to be loved. We all are functioning from fear, right? Like most of the population is functioning from fear. So if there, if people, my sisters are reacting in a certain way uh, out of fear, and I'm present to that, guess what I'm doing? I'm giving them love. So whatever they fear, I'm I'm giving it to them. In, in love, so um, they want to be right. okay, you're right. I'll say that. you're right. And consider that there's another also another right way of looking at things. So i I stopped being concerned with myself, with the way that I look in conversations and the, and that I wanted to win the arguments. All I want is to love my family. And so I'm willing to be wrong, right? So many times we want to be right but we're going to be right all by ourselves, you know? And so I'd rather be, you know, give that up and have family, you know? Right. And so that's <laughs> the biggest thing that changed is that I started to look at them. I started to take accountability for myself. Um, you know, like 10% of life is what happens and 90% is how you react to it.
0: Mm, right? right. So
1: my, my reaction changed. And so and then I started to live a different thing. I implemented this thing, Prince, that is that um, it's like a context of living. It's like how I approach life is that if if anything is missing in life, it's what I'm not putting in. So usually in uh, yeah, in disagreement with family, mm-hmm. when you're arguing and, and people are unhappy, there's love missing. Right. You can't love and, and be angry at the same time. Those two emotions, hate and love and fear, fear, they can't happen at the same time. Love is absent. So if it's absent, I take responsibility that it's me that has to put it in. And so I look to see what is missing right now that if I put it in would make the difference. Kind of, you know what I liken it to? Um, like Michael Jordan, remember? Right. He's like the all-time um best athlete, right? Right. And he was to he used to watch his games after the game and he didn't watch, you know, from something's wrong, but he watched from what could I have done differently that would have had a different result Mm. just looking at it that way. Right. And so that's how I look at my life. Even after the fact, let's just say I. Uh, my, my sister ends up getting angry with me, which is it has happened even recently during Christmas time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it <sure happens.
1: laughs> and I you, it's like exercise, right? Like, you know, right. hey, I was nice today, so I don't have to be nice tomorrow and the next day. You know, you, right. it's an exercise. You, if you stop being nice and stop being loving, then you're going to go back to having a rotten relationship again. So, um, th- you know, just th- during Christmas, uh, my sister was upset with me. And I was like dumbfounded. Like, why are you upset with me? That has nothing to do with me. You know what I was explaining to her. But what I, what I did was I thought about what is her concern? And then I thought, okay, I'll speak to that. And so I text her and I said, I acknowledged her concern. And I said, I know you're worried about this. And, uh, and you, and you see that I'm to blame about that, but this is what, What it what I'm thinking is going to happen, and but I'm going to consider what you said and change my response to the situation, which was a different situation that she didn't like the way I responded to it. And so I acknowledged her, and I made she actually gave me feedback that made me think that I could have done something different in this situation. But we didn't have to get angry, and she didn't have to leave. You know, that's the part I didn't like. Right? I I would have liked to have, you know. talked about this conversation through right. had our tamales and our <laughs> you know our know, Mexican food for Christmas and had right. a really time. But she got really hot and she left. And uh I didn't get hot. I was like even killed. And she calmed down because my concern, I wasn't in in my concern of being right. I acknowledged her. I saw it from her eyes and I got something from it. I actually learned something from it and I told her that. And she got over it. She wasn't angry anymore. So what happens is that people stay angry with you because they don't feel heard and they're telling you something. And so if you acknowledge what you're, what they're saying, even you don't have to say that they're right. You just say, I got it. I see where you're coming from, you know, and then consider this. And then you say your own opinion and neither one has to be right. Right. And so So I've learned that that's that's the
0: biggest thing that I've done. Okay, I need to stop you right there because that was the gym. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Like because when people storm out after being extremely heated and extremely cantankerous and and mad, they don't get a chance to stay and allow their energy to, to to settle. Because that's when the the healing actually begins, you know, because after you get all of this anger out, then there's room for love. Right. And rebuilding and, and doing the necessary things that you need to do to heal whatever situation where you had a disagreement. So for you to say that that she just wanted to be heard. That's the key. So when, when, whenever anyone is in a situation and you are arguing with someone that's your family member, uh, make sure that you actually stay there and, and take Hazel's advice that they all they, they just want to be heard. That's why they're angry. That's why they're yelling. That's why they're mad. And these are the results of someone that has not been heard. So listen to them. Uh, and they don't have to be right, but you can just let them know that, hey, I heard you. I, I get it. I understand. And make and you know what, maybe you are right, so I have an- another question. Sure. When do you give tough love to your family?
1: Wow, I gave some tough love this morning <laughs>
0: <laughs> and 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 how do you know when to give tough love?
1: Well, you have to have boundaries. Okay, And in whatever it is, if it's money, if it's your resources, um, you know, I've helped family members get jobs. I've helped. I've um, given them money. I've hired attorneys for them. I have co-signed loans for them. I've done a lot, but I give them a chance. And once they let me down, then the next time that's not going to happen. Right. And so um, this morning I actually had a conversation with my brother because I have a guest. A guest room here in my home, and he came and stayed with his girlfriend and the baby. And then uh, they've been gone for a week. And I went downstairs to get water in the apartment because I was walking by and it was closer than coming upstairs. And the sink was full of dirty dishes, and <laughs> the bathroom toilet was not clean. And and so I told him uh, that the next time that he that he left the apartment that way, that he was not going to be able to stay. So that's how I, I, I set my boundaries. Like now he knows that I thought, I, you know, I raised my brother, so I, he's like my son. So I must have failed somewhere teaching him that he, you, you, <laughs> when you borrow something you give it back better than you borrowed it, you know, the condition that you borrowed it. Right. And, um, so, you know, that, that's, but see, uh, Prince, the thing about that is that you have to come from authenticity and from power, not from fear. Mm-hmm. And so when I communicate, I communicate from power, right? It's, it's, so I come across like people get it, you know, mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't have, I don't have, I'm not passive aggressive, you know, I, If and I take care of it when it happens. So it's like, okay, I, I, I loaned you money. You didn't pay me back as agreed. So next time, if you want to borrow money, just know that that's going to make, I'm going to consider what just happened right now, you know, and just that, and that's just the way it is. Um, but yeah, you have to have your own boundaries and I don't, my family has never taken advantage of me. Um, they've done their best and and they fulfilled on their promises. And I've always been uh, very clear on what it is I expect from them. And I share, I rather, I share everything. They go on the private jets, <laughs> on the limos and all the nice dinners. And it's great. It's it's really an amazing arrangement. And not that I have to give them any rules about what i have but it's i have boundaries that are like lines in the sand right like you do that you don't have to go tell everybody hey guess what i'm not lending money out anymore don't ask you know you don't have to go tell everybody that you have to have that boundary for yourself and it's like the universe arranges itself i don't even have anybody borrow money from me nobody Mm -hmm. asks me for money wow you would think, right? Like, oh, you have a lot of friends and family that you know that are are maybe you know struggling, especially right now during COVID. But no, nobody has asked me for any money.
0: Wow, that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because you spoke to the universe, and the universe provided it for you.
1: But it's just who we are, you know. We 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 set our own you know, boundary, like I can't, I know I keep saying that word, but it really is like when you, when you're grounded in your truth, you know what you want your life to look like. And in the vision that I created for my life, my family's not coming to ask me for anything. They're all, you know, self-sustaining and, um, and doing well and happy in their own lives. And so that's the vision that I have of them. If I created a vision of them being moochers and they, they're they going to ask me for money and I'm afraid they're going to break into my house, then guess what shows up? That's what's going to show up.
0: Because that's what you're looking for.
1: Exactly. If You know, I for a long time, I thought my sister was one of my sisters was a bitch <laughs> and she always showed up that way until I realized that I wasn't being fair to her. And there was all these great things that she was doing. And so I realized I was looking at her through the lens of someone who is a bitch and mm-hmm. she could do no other because I was blind to everything else that she was doing. And I was hyper-focused on all the ways that she was, you know, as far as my opinion was, that she was you know, being mean. She was saying no a lot and she wouldn't show up to things that I thought she should show up to. And she wouldn't inconvenience herself. Like for me, like that encompassed like somebody that was a bitch and she wouldn't sacrifice for the family. And I thought that that was her being a bitch. But in reality, it's just, she's just being the way she's being. She doesn't have to do anything. She doesn't owe anybody anything. And uh, and then I started noticing all the nice things that she was doing and all the great things and contribution that she is to my life. And I told her and I called her and I told her, wow, like all these years, all these decades i've had it that you're a bitch and actually you're the best sister anybody could ever have and she and i started crying and she she couldn't even handle it because i had never complimented her i had never given her any acknowledgement i was being really stingy and i was withholding love i was doing all of the wrong things and then that's how i transformed that relationship with her by acknowledging her and and really it actually took a long time because she knew me probably as me being a bitch, right? I was acting that way with her. But, you know, when, when one finger points, four point back at you, right?
0: right?
1: Yeah. So that's, I've one by one, I've resolved my issues with my family, but it doesn't mean that it's fully resolved. You come back around again, but then you're better, better, and better handling it each time.
0: Wow. Hazel, Hazel, Hazel. You said something that was key withholding love and it seems like to me when you get down on yourself whenever you become your worst critic whenever someone is angry at you for whatever reason you say pour more love into them and don't withhold your love and just being vulnerable that's what it sounds like it's like it's your superpower and you've learned how to tap into that and use it to your best ability. And I love it when you mentioned earlier, you have to start with the woman in the mirror or the man in the mirror to make a change within yourself. And you started doing that. And you pour more love into yourself, which allowed you to pour more love into your family, which is amazing. Because one of the things that you had mentioned that was so magical on our first interview was making your own self proud. You know, that feeling, words can't describe that. And you really did that. Whenever someone looks at you, they see success. Like you are the epitome of success. You know, and it was, it's, it's like winning the lottery. And whenever you win the lottery, you know, some of the first things that we say it was just like, well, when I win the lottery, I'm going to help this person out. I'm going to help that person out. I'm going to do this. And you just explained that you really didn't. You had a vision for your family for them to be self-sustainable, and but you also had a vision for yourself. Well, like, you know, you, you hear this cliche. Whenever I whenever I become wealthy and rich, I'm gonna buy my mom this, I'm gonna buy my sisters this, I'm gonna buy XYZ this, I'm gonna do this. Um was there a time in your life where you felt that? that's what you needed to do because that's what your sisters and your mother needed and, and your family needed, or was it something that you needed because you created the, the, the idea?
1: Is your question that did I ever feel like I needed to give away money?
0: Well, the question is more so, well, when you became successful did you and you had this vision about your family, um, or, or the cliche that we, that, that we cling to is just like when I, if I win the lottery, right? So because people um, equate success and winning the lottery, uh, they, they, they equate, equate those two things. So my question was more so the, clean, the, the cliche. When I, make, when I become successful, if I win the lottery, uh, I'm going to get my mom a house. I'm going to get a car. I'm going to get my sisters this. I'm going to get them that. So now that you have that, you know, do you feel that that's a need for you to fulfill or a need for them to fulfill, for them to care about you and love you?
1: I I don't um, need to have to buy them anything at all. I'm not inclined. If they come and ask me and it makes sense and it comes from a, a powerful place, I will definitely help them. Uh, but I don't help people that are not helping themselves. So if somebody got themselves into a problem, even for example, hey, I, you know, I owe drug dealers money, can you give me money? <laughs> then uh, no, you know, but if it's like, hey, um, you know, I got sick and I got behind on payments, like, can you, you know, I I can definitely help in that way. Um, I don't feel inclined to do it. I don't look for ways to help them. I, I like people to ask for help if they need it. And, um, they don't, I told you, they, I just created this vision where people are not asking me for things. It's, it's yeah, I'm not inclined that way, but I will tell you that I did buy my sister a house. Um, I have a sister who is an alcoholic and she told me that her dream come true is to die in the house that she was renting. And, She created that dream, right? At the time, there's no possibility that she could buy that house because she owes the IRS a lot of money. She has really bad credit, no savings, not enough money. But while we were there for the weekend, the landlord called and said, I'm putting the house on the market. And I... I inquired how much is that house and it was a reasonable price. It seemed like a good investment. I bought the house for my sister Uh, and it was from just pure generosity. Not a have to, it's not coming from a place of, I, you know, I want her to love me and that's why I'm buying her a house is and and I have enough money where that was kind of for me, you know, um, something that was easy for me to do. And so I just thought everything was perfect timing. Like, wow, she created this dream that I helped her to create because, you know, I'm always talking about creating a vision for your life and your dream life. And I had her, she had no vision for her life except that she was going to be dead in five years. And so I told her, Hey, hey, when we create a vision, we're going to create from the best case scenario, not the worst case scenario. (laughs) So let's say that you're going to be alive and well. So what do you see yourself in five years? And she said, I'll own this house. And then the call came in. So for me, that's like manifesting with lightning speed. And so I have made people's dreams come true when I hear them say what their dream is. And I know it's within my capacity. And I love to do that and see their faces and help them. But they're always from a place of um, from power, not from, you know, again, like love me, do do this for me so that I feel Mm. loved and worthy you know, and I love money. I love to keep my money. I like to see it add up. And I like, I know what my money, my money has a job, so I can't be giving my money away. My job is to leave a legacy to help others, to get out of poverty, to get education, to start, you know, start your first business, start your first home. Like that's where I want to give my money in those directions. I'm not going to give my money away into for something that's going to get flushed down the toilet. So buying a house made a lot of sense for her, you know, and, and it made a lot of sense. It's a smart thing I did.
0: You are a fairy godmother. <laughs> <laughs> or in this case, a fairy god sister, because you do the, the most incredible things. Um, and You bring so much happiness and joy in people's life just with your presence. It doesn't have to be with your money, but um, we know that our money is an extension of us and it's energy. It's in the form of energy, and and you do a really good job of putting your energy into the things that you see are fitting. The things that you see uh, will actually make someone's dream become a reality. And I think that was really, really awesome. And you showed up at the right time. So that's why you're meant to be the master of miracles. And that's why I'm, I'm so serious. That's why everyone loves being around you. Um, It's hard not to be around you because you you have this this aura that you emanate, and it's such a beautiful, beautiful space. Uh, And it's just something that you want to be around all the time because it's invigorating. So you have a relationship with your daughters. So, well, let me start off by saying you didn't have the best relationship with your mother. And a lot of times history repeats itself. What is the relationship like with your daughters and how were you able to change that relationship around? What was it that was going on in your head when you had your kids?
1: Well, I have one daughter and I raised my two
0: brothers. Okay.
1: Okay. So I uh, raised, I was raised by a single mother who was living in fear constantly that we were going to be shot killed run over by a car molested pregnant on drugs in jail so it was re- it was unreasonable and she acted in fear and she would hit us uh and at the time i i grew a lot of disdain for her because like why would you, you know why would you hit us like we're children like that's wrong but in in retrospect i learned to forgive her because i know that she didn't have the tools to teach us how otherwise, you know, a better way, right? She didn't know behavior modification. She didn't know that hitting us wasn't going to change our behavior. So it made our behavior even worse. It added other behaviors and she didn't know that. So she was her making her own life miserable. She didn't have the tools. And that's why I, I wrote the book and that's why I share my story because I really believe that when people know better, they do better. But there's so many people that don't know. And so my mom was hitting us and, you know, uh, violence begets violence. And so here we are, she would hit us and then we would hit each other. My sisters and I would fist fight. We would hit each other. Then we would go to school and get into fist fights. Right. And so it was just a whole um, upbringing of violence. Then, you know, of course the neighborhood was violent and and then it just got really dangerous. My mom ended up killing her boyfriend and the violence just continued. Well. With my mom, um I just kind of pretended like like everything was was all right, you know I didn't fight with her anymore as an adult, and i didn't um you know I didn't throw it back at her was she how how she was when we were growing up. I kind of felt sorry for her because as I grow and I was getting an education, I started knowing and learning, and uh my mom was already in prison, so there was no need for me to go back to her and tell her you know, how wrong she was. But now myself having a daughter, I'm at first, I also started spanking, you know, I didn't know better. So I used to spank my daughter and I spanked my brothers and that wasn't working. And then I'm here, I'm in grad school, I'm becoming a child psychologist. And I realized like all these other techniques for behavior modification. And then I started using them and then it becomes like magic. Like people start to do what you want them to do, and it's from words, from the way you, you know, put a sentence together, and having forethought, you know. And then like these are techniques, and I in I was in school, and I'm like, oh my goodness, every parent should have be in 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 these classes, in these parenting classes that make you be uh, make you. Enjoy your parenthood. Like my mom, she didn't enjoy being a mom. I'm sure it was a cute kid, but she could not enjoy it because she didn't. I was being a bad kid because of how she was raising me. I was fist fighting, I was angry, I was not happy at all the whole time. And she didn't know how to make the household function. And so she did not get to enjoy my childhood, my sisters. You know, she had five daughters, eventually she had seven, but she didn't get to enjoy that. And it's beautiful. Oh my gosh, if I was ever to have to do my life over again, I would do the period where I was raising the kids. I would do that part over because they're they're so cute. Now they're 23, 25, and 27. It's a whole different experience, <laughs> trust. And uh so I started to learn how to um deal with my daughter and the boys, right? And I can you learned- give
0: us an example real quick. Like what 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 can you what was it that you did?
1: Okay. So behavior modification. (laughs) Yes. All right. So let's just say one of the biggest problems most parents have in their household are chores. The kids don't want to do their chores and the parents get angry because they don't do their chore, because parents come from fear, right? Parents don't live in the moment. They live in in the fear of the future. Oh, so if they don't do what I say now, when they're older, they're going to be out of control. And when they're out of control, they're going to end up in jail. And, you know, so the parents come from fear and it's good for kids to do chores. It comes, it, 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 you should definitely have them to chores because it's discipline. You're teaching them discipline and you want them to have discipline and be responsible for themselves and their space. Right. Anyhow. So a parent will say, okay, well, you didn't do your chores. So I'm going to take your phone away or, uh, you didn't do your chores. So you can't go out and play with your friend. You can't play video games. Right. Well, the punishment doesn't fit the crime basically, right? Like what does chores and taking away the phone have to do with each other? So what, how to change behavior is that you have the kid, he didn't do his chore. So you say, Hey, all right, you didn't do your chore. So now not only are you going to wash the dishes, but you're also going to wash the bathroom floors. Let's say that. And then, you know, first of all, the kid what the kids want is to avoid doing chores. And now you're going to give them double chores. So it doesn't make sense. They know they're going to have to do double chores. So next time they're going to actually wash the dishes when they're supposed to, because they know that you're going to make them clean the bathroom or clean the garage or something that has to do with the chore. So you actually change the behavior. But if you take away the phone, that has nothing to do with the chore. So that's an example or like you don't let them go to the game. You don't let them go to the movies. You don't let them hang out. You don't let them tap on the phone. The punishment has to fit the crime, like what what, what you're dealing with. Um, And then just real quick, another one that's really common is when you say no. So the kids keep asking you you know, over and over and over again. Well, it's not the kid's fault. It's the parent's fault that they keep asking over and over again because we don't hold steady. So first you say no, and you explain why not. And then they ask you again, and then you say no, and you explain again why not. When they come the third time, you just say no. You don't explain anymore. You just say no. And then they might ask you, you know, five more times, but you don't answer anymore. And it is a no. And that once you hold steady and the kids know you for once you say no, it's no, they're going to stop bothering you. And so for me, I started learning all these techniques. And one time my 12 year old came up to me and he said, do you know magic? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, no, why? And he said, why are we always doing what you want us to do, even though we know we don't want to do it? (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh, right? So I say, because you guys are really good kids, that's why. But inside of me, I know it's because I learned these techniques. There's a book uh, uh, for everything, Prince, uh, how to deal with a nine-year-old, how to deal with your 12-year-old. We parents need to get smarter at how to deal with our three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old and beat them at the game. We're smarter than them, Mm. but what happens, we let the kids beat us. Mm. You know, and then guess what? We're not happy. Then they're not happy. So when I learned all of this and I learned to be responsible for my actions, like I'm telling you, like in my life, if something's not working, that means I have to fix something. I don't expect that you're going to fix something. I'm going to fix it. So I take 100 percent responsibility. And I go and I look, I look, where can I change that would make this a better relationship? And so when my daughter was going through her teens and boy, she was going through it, um, I just thought to myself, like, wow, she's so cute. Uh, She's a teenager and she can do no other because I learned in the book of teenagers, what teenagers are about and what to expect ahead of time. So why am I gonna get mad at her for acting in a way that she can do no other? So, but parents don't know that. And, and what they do is they they get angry back at the, at the teenager. You know, they're like, oh, you're always angry. You're, you're mean to me. And, and the parent, you know, it's a horrible experience for a parent for the teen years if you don't understand your teen. And so I started understanding her And just being with her and not over when she acted as a teenager, rude, mean, you know, would go into her room and not want to come out. I wouldn't make her wrong about that. I would just say, like, how nice it is when she came out of the room. You know, I just acknowledge the good things. Right. And I really enjoyed myself with them once I got the skills I enjoyed that. And, and that's what I do. I always, I'm always, if you know me, I'm at masterminds. I'm talking to really smart people. I'm yeah. learning, always learning, always evolving on how to make my life work. All my relationships. There's, there's people have already, in, you know, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. People already have written books about this. They already have all the right techniques. There's videos. There's everything. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: All right. <laughs> Man, that's so amazing. That's so incredible. I'm glad you mentioned that punishment has to fit the crime So make sure you understand that.
1: Yeah. Right. Yes. And just another thing real quick, um, you know, we need to have a paradigm shift. You know, we, we were, we're brought up thinking we need to punish, but in reality um, you need to focus on positive reinforcement, even though it seems like, you know, your kid is being a big brat and you don't want to reward them. But if, if you if you punish them you're going to get more bad behavior if you reward you're going to get more good behavior because at the end of the day our kids all they want to do is is make us proud of them make us happy even as adults all we want is our parents to acknowledge us you know that it is forever that's our role as a parent so if you start when they're young you're going to have much better relationship as an adult they're not going to keep on trying to make you love them and accept them and, and think that they're the best thing ever if you start when they're young.
0: Wow. Wow. That's all I have to say is wow. <laughs> <laughs> because th- these are the keys to us being better parents, us being better human beings, us being the best versions of ourselves. And when we start practicing these these techniques, these exercises, and and as you mentioned, the paradigm shift, then we will actually create a different vantage point and see things in a different light and be able to apply what we've learned and see how it becomes wisdom and, and actually turn into a magician, a magician. (laughs) Yes.
1: We're we're, we're magicians. You know, honestly, like just whole family dynamic, your husband, your wife, you know, um, if you're, Somebody was just telling me that he, he, his wife, they're getting a divorce, right? The wife is not happy. And I say, wow, you must be a terrible husband. He's like, Why? I thought you're my friend. And I said, well, no, come on. I said, what, you know, what woman is going to divorce a man that gives, you know, when she's upset, he gives her flowers, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you, if your wife is upset and you, this is the woman that you love the most in the whole world. If she's upset, you, your concern needs to be, to make her happy. What happens is that we save the worst behavior for the people we love the most.
0: Mm. So
1: we treat the people that we love, Oof. you know, in, in a way that we wouldn't treat a stranger. Far. Or do it to them. And so um I'm like, you know, if your wife is upset, go, you know, go buy her chocolates and flowers and make her happy because you want she'll see that you want to make her happy, you know, but we don't. We we start withholding love, we start being mean. I and I also say this like if an alien was looking at us how would they know if they don't, if an alien is from outer space is looking at our lives and they don't understand language, how would they know what's important to us? You know, it's our behavior, right? Behavior. They would have to see literally uh, us handing flowers to the people we love um, spending time, smiling, touching them on the shoulder, caressing their hair, you know, being with them. Um, You know, as entrepreneurs, Prince, you're an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. We know we can stay in our offices for 12 hours a day. We love what we do. We're passionate. Right. But yes. we also need to, at 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, or 5 o'clock, whatever you know, your boundaries are, stop what we're doing and go and be with our family.
0: Right. That is so right. That is so precious. That That family time is very precious because you don't get that time back. And so you have to be present with them because that's the gift in itself, just being present. And when you're there and you show up and they know it and they know how much time they're going to spend with you, you know, they actually dedicate their time. But I've, I I realize, you know, this Clubhouse app, <laughs> right, <laughs> it is so uh, addicting. But I'm always conscious of, like, okay, where am I? What am I doing? And I do a countdown, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 4, 3, 2, 1, and I put my phone down, boom, and I just, I I, I turn it over and I walk away from it. And I don't care about whoever is contacting me because I've created this time for my family to dedicate my time to my family, which was an opportunity in the very beginning, but now it's a responsibility. And I always educate people on your opportunities become your responsibilities. So if you can not complain about your responsibilities and see the responsibility in the same way that you saw the opportunity, where well, you were grateful for an opportunity, and you bring that same gratitude towards your responsibility. So, there are so many things in your life that will open up, and you'll have access to you know, what you ask for. You'll have access to your abundance. You'll have access to your behavior change. You'll you'll have access to seeing the growth in others and not react to you know, the animosity or them being mad towards you. And actually, it's really something that's going on inside of them. And I love what you do and how you make people think, how you make people question, like, what? well, ah, you know, I'm getting a divorce. Like, you must be a bad husband. Like, what do you mean <laughs> by that? Like, he definitely perpetuated. I don't know this person, but, you know. Um, yeah, actually, you do. But <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> well, you know, they definitely per- perpetuate. Um, that that behavior, because it's someone one I, I know when my wife is is feeling down and angry, or, or she's not feeling her best self. You know, like the first thing I ask her is, I ask her is, what do you need? What is it? I'm listening to you, and I and I listen to her, and I come up with solutions. But then I make sure when I come up with those solutions, I make sure that it's not my solution and it's her solution, or she understands where I'm coming from. Uh, because you you still want to also when you come when when you speak from power you still want to make sure that you're giving you're not disempowering somebody whenever you give them power I mean wh- whenever you speak from power you know you want to speak from power and then empower them and tell them look it's okay I get it I'm I'm sorry that I'm here I'm there uh, and and let them and you know allow yourself to speak like I'm sorry that I'm doing this I'm sorry that I'm doing that. I'm going to stop everything right now. You are the focus, and when I do that, like my my wife, she responds immediately and in, in a loving way, and she just tells me thank you. And we we constantly remind each other of like how important we are in each, in each other's life, and we talk about the like I'm grateful for you for being my supporter, being the the, the beautiful person that you are, these beautiful kids what we have where we are in life and and these are the things that allow for your relationship to thrive you know whether it's a it's a loving relationship with a spouse whether it's with your your parents your siblings it, it, whomever it is you know it's it, that's the, the 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 relationship that you have to continue to groom and nurture over the years because we all go through growing pains and we all have to learn how to grow through those pains, uh, but once once we do, we find pleasure, we find unconditional love, and we learn how to love ourselves. So, thank you for sharing that. All of these jewels, man. I don't even want to leave. I'm going to keep you on here forever. But I know, I know, we we have to run. But before we do, I have to say, like, what's next? You got the pimped out daddy mansion. You got the D-Wagon. You got the Tesla. You got the you got the, the good looking man. You got the private jets. You got you got your, your, your the love of your life. You got a beautiful daughter that is a, a nurse, a registered nurse. You have it, you have it all. So what's next?
1: No, oh, thank you, Prince. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, making making an impact and sharing this knowledge, sharing my story, helping other people. I'd like to uh, impact a billion women and girls to get out of poverty. I'd like to stop violence against women. I wanna end suffering in the world through education. So that's what is my my future. That's for the rest of my life, what what gets me up in the morning and why I do what I do. I have seven interviews this week, and it's all about that, that I wanna women to listen, I want men to listen and change their lives and improve their lives and live the life of their dreams. And that is all that I'm focused on.
0: This time I'm going to spell it W-O-W, <laughs> all in caps. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to repeat the same word. I just want to spell it so people it can be ingrained in people's mind and their spirit and their body. That was, that's amazing. That is amazing. And however I can be of service, I can help you. Please throw me in the equation. You know, I'm there for you. You are my sis. I love you unconditionally, genuinely. I mean, what you do and and how you do it um, is is amazing and incredible and I feel that everyone should know you and everyone will, because if you're going to change a billion lives, then everyone is going to know exactly who this billionaire is that's changing all of these lives. Right? So, uh, <laughs> I, I definitely want to be there with you. Um, we definitely have to take some, some, some trips with you and Elbert and me and Labor uh, uh just us on the private jet. We just, you know, flying, I don't know where we're gonna go. Maybe to Costa Rica, maybe to to Vegas, uh, maybe to wherever. I'm just putting it out there in the universe just to say that. But uh right. Yeah, so but I'm looking forward to it. Hazel, you have always been um a jewel and continue to keep being that. And your your purpose and your dream are being fulfilled. So I love what you're doing. Um I support you in any way possible. I'm looking forward to the next book, whenever that comes out, and looking forward to you to continue to change the world with your voice, with your heart, with your energy, with your love, and and thank you for mentioning. Do not withhold your love even when somebody is very rude towards you, but make sure that you find the space. It's almost like finding a, a weak a weakness or their weak spot. And once they calm down, just like, well, I'm just going to hit you with some more love, like a care bear. Bing! <laughs> I'm going to beam it into you. you know, so thank you for those jewels. Thank you for everything uh, in life um, and these behavior changes for parents. Like, make sure that these parents know that. Uh, again, where can people find you?
1: Um, I would love for everyone to go to my website and do the vision exercise. And we talked a lot about family today, so do the exercise, envision your life 10 years from now, and when you're envisioning what your family life looks like, look at all the relationships that you have and envision them in the best way, in the best light. How do you want them to be? So I was fist fighting with my sisters, and I envisioned a life that looked like we were in heaven. How would we be if we were in heaven? And it didn't look like what we, how we were behaving it was very different. And then it actually, I found myself in that situation in real life where it looked like we were in heaven. So whatever you envision for your relationship with your kids, with your spouse, with your sisters and brothers and mothers and cousins, uh, make it from the best case scenario of what you want, not what you don't want. That's going to make all the difference. So my, my, um, Vision guide is at the masteryofmiracles.com and it's free and it has a worksheet. So go at it and create the best life.
0: Ooh. And with that being said, I might just have to drop the mic for you, Hazel. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, make sure for all the listeners that's here, make sure that you go to her site and make sure you go and download that vision exercise because it really does change your life. It allows you to put things in perspective and allows you to, to see it because once we write anything down, it becomes a reality. It crystallizes itself in the physiological world. So Hazel, just want to tell you thank you so much. If there are any last parting words that you would like to leave for the audience, please share it now.
1: Yeah, if if it's too hard to do some of the things that I mentioned about giving love in, in a tough situation, just ask yourself what would jesus do and you would get a lot of actions there that you wouldn't have come up with by yourself and that would change that situation
0: what, would jesus, do? what would jesus do so what if somebody is is not religious what if they're atheist or you know what if they're another religion and they don't believe in jesus what what type of information would you give to them
1: well you can say what would hazel do <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and another thing too is that you could create yourself in the highest vision of your own self. Like what would my highest self do right now? I know the average me right now is my default is to react in fear. So what would my higher self do right now? you know and i always ask myself too like what would a millionaire do like what would what, what would jlo do like would jlo be bothered by this troll that's telling you something you know like no she wouldn't you know um what would oprah do like anybody that you see that you look up to you can ask yourself you know, even if the moment is over, that person left, you can journal, you can ask yourself, like, well, what would have, what would JLo have done in that situation? And then it would be like, that wouldn't even have been the situation. And you could see yourself having other options that you could have done instead of arguing, you know, withholding love, saying some nasty thing. And you can always, always apologize. And, and that's the best thing. Show love, be loved.
0: Wow. What would Prince do? That's awesome. I love that ring.
1: <laughs> oh, I like that too. Prince. What would Prince do? <laughs>
0: right? Oh man. Thank you. Wow, that was uh, I'm just sitting here saying to myself, wow, that's magical. You are magical. Wow. Just for just for saying that. You know, a lot of people I'm and I'm so happy that I was able to ask that question because a lot of people are not um re- religious based or they're driven by religion. So you know, they would want to know, they would want what's that universal language? And you said, What would my higher self do? And a lot of people I uh, think they understand that we have a higher self or we there's something bigger than us. And so uh, for them to say what would my higher self do, that's that is the answer. That's the key. Woo! All right, these gems have been dropped all day long. Look, if you're not listening to this podcast and you are, I'm not gonna say losing, but you are missing out. So um, I want everybody's life to change with these interviews if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe rate and review and if you know someone that can benefit from this episode please make sure you share this with them we're here to empower you to educate you and to give you the knowledge that these successful individuals have experienced so that you can embody their experiences and stories and apply it to your life and become the best version of yourself my name is prince i'll see you for the next episode Peace.